Welcome to God's Acre On The Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in-person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship. Church family, this is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to God's Acre on the Go. Uh, as you edge toward the end of the summer season, wherever you happen to be, if you're traveling, uh, if you're here in the area, uh, we're grateful to have you tuning in. Um, we're going to continue our summer sermon series, uh, the Stonemason series today, uh, looking at uh, Jesus's vocation pre-preacher, uh, teacher, Lord and Savior, and how that informs some of his illustrations um, in his sermons and his understanding of faith and of God. And we're going to look today at the cornerstone. We've looked at Jesus as, as mason and kingdom builder. We've looked at God as rock and refuge. And, and today we get to the cornerstone. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we want to have you just prepare your hearts and minds for worship as we listen to this morning's anthem. So, as I said, we turn to this idea of Jesus as cornerstone, and, and, and cornerstone is just an important feature of both the Hebrew and uh, Christian faiths. And we hear of it first in Psalm 118, where it says, uh, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And that's talking about the Hebrew people. And it says, this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. And then the, the next uh, verse you know well, because we say at the beginning of worship all the time, uh, right after that, this is the Lord's doing, it is marvelous in our eyes, we read, this is the day the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. And then it follows up by saying, save us, we beseech you, O Lord, O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. And then what we find is that Jesus seizes on this um, particular passage of scripture, this idea of cornerstone, when he's in the Temple Mount. 
He's come into the temple. We've had Palm Sunday experience. He's uh, taken issue with the management of the temple complex. This is the story of when uh, Jesus turns over the tables of the money changers, and he starts teaching swelling crowds of people. And he tells this parable, and I'm not going to read it in its entirety. Uh, He tells this parable about um, the mismanagement of a vineyard, uh, kind of likening what the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders are doing on the temple complex. And um, uh, he concludes by saying that the mismanagement will be rewarded, if you will, by God coming and and giving possession of uh, the vineyard, the the holy place to other inhabitants. And then Jesus says, have you not read the scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. It says that when the religious leaders realized that Jesus had told this parable against them, They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowd, so they left Jesus and went away. The word of God for the people of God. Let's just take a moment and pray together. Um, Lord God, as we continue to reflect on your word, your will, and your way for us, we pray that your spirit would enter in and that you would uh, guide us, guide our thoughts, guide our actions in the ways you want us to go. Uh, Help us to think along the lines of the way you think and have the purposes, uh, our purposes, well aligned with yours. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, as I said a couple of different times, we're continuing this summer series on the stonemason. Hopefully you've been hanging in there with us. Uh, As a refresher, uh, initially I made the case that Jesus was a stonemason and not a carpenter. This had to do with a few things. One, the the images and illustrations Jesus used in his sermons were masonry images, not carpentry. Uh, Also, the building materials available in Palestine were stone, not, not wood. And it also has to do with the choice uh, the authors of the King James Version of the Bible made when they translated the Greek word for Jesus' vocation. Uh, They translated tecton, or builder, into carpenter for some reason, probably because they were used to uh, builders building with wood. So we've looked at Jesus as mason and kingdom builder. We've looked, as I said, uh, at God as rock and refuge. We've considered the foundation of our lives. And now we do turn our attention to the cornerstone. Uh, Jesus said, uh, uh, echoing the psalmist and, and, and affirmed by later Christian writers, that Jesus is the cornerstone of what God's trying to build in this world. And we get that echo of Psalm 118, where it says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now, the original purpose of Psalm 118, which Jesus quotes in Mark, it, it's kind of lost to time. It's a psalm, certainly, of celebration from deliverance, uh, but scholars can't quite agree or decide if the deliverance recalled in the psalm is God delivering the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land of Canaan, or if this is about God's deliverance of the Jews from exile in Babylon to return to their home in Judea. I'm not sure it matters all that much. Either way, the Hebrew, the Jewish people were often discarded uh, uh, by the ruling powers of the world. And yet, yet God made them the chosen cornerstone of the heavenly kingdom God was building in the world. And that truth was marvelous, as the psalmist says, marvelous news to the Hebrews. Now, likewise, Jesus suffered a similar fate, right? Initially rejected, but uh, followed by deliverance. Jesus was rejected and killed only to be raised, to be raised on the third day, and then ultimately to be followed 
uh, by people just like us into new and abundant life. Now, do you know what the purpose of a cornerstone is? I mean, originally, you know, the, the cornerstone tends to be the first stone set in a foundation. It's the stone that all the other stones in a building are aligned to. As masons build a house or a wall or a building or a temple, whatever it is, they would keep checking to make sure that all the stones were lined up with the cornerstone, both vertically and horizontally. If the line was off, if, if the stones were not properly placed, the structure wouldn't be sound. However, if all the stones in the structure are well aligned, then the building would be strong. It would be stable. It would likely stand the text, uh, test of time. Now, today, and I know you know this, cornerstones tend to serve a different purpose. I mean, they aren't really used for building alignment anymore. No, they, they, they tend to be ornamental in nature, right? If you see a cornerstone in a building today, it often has a name or a date on it or both. Might be uh, kind of rough hewn uh, or, or made of different stone than the rest of the building. It stands out as different and notable, but functionally, it doesn't really align to anything. Today's cornerstones are largely ceremonial. And I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Now, if Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith, the real functional cornerstone of our faith, then the question is, how do we make sure that we're well aligned with him? How do we make sure our actions, our decisions, our choices proceed straight from our relationship with the Lord? Well, part of that answer, like any good Mason, is that we need, we need to keep checking, right? Each day, each decision, each action of our lives, we need to check. How does it line up? Now, I bet most of us, certainly myself included, kind of go through the day making the best choices and decisions we can. We, we do it, but, but without really orienting ourselves to the Lord or considering at the end of the day if we stayed in line with the desires of Jesus, right? We just kind of flow through the day doing the best we can. Now, it's a Christian tradition to actually begin the day with a prayer for guidance, wanting direction on how to live out that day, and then to conclude the day with an examination. Actually, there's a, uh, there's a liturgy of examine that are, is used uh, by Christians. Uh, so uh, it starts with preparation and it ends with evaluation. Uh, we, th this morning, uh, on this Sunday morning, if you're listening on Sunday morning, we're, we're baptizing uh, multiple children from multiple families. And, and we need to consider those baptismal vows, which are, are uh, grounded in uh, these themes, renouncing and resisting evil showing love and justice, being gracious and faithful to others, even when people are not gracious and faithful to us. Those are the vows we take when we become Christians. Those are the vows we take for our children when we have them baptized. You know, and, and what we can do is we can pray for those, for instance, those virtues to be manifest in our lives as we begin our day. And then, you know, we really can. Maybe a journal, make a list, make some notes. But at the end of the day, we can evaluate our progress. How did we do? Did we snap and snipe at our spouse or significant other when we were annoyed? Or did we rise above? Did we rise above the angst and offer words of grace and love instead? When we were at work or uh, about town, whatever we were doing, did we cut corners? Did we cheat? Did we take the easy way out in certain situations? Or did we do the right and just thing even if it was hard, even if it hurt a bit? Do we risk rejection because we want to be faithful to Jesus's desires for us? Or do we spend most of our time thinking about how to craft a life that's pleasing to ourselves? You know, it's a Christian practice. Pray for good alignment at the beginning of the day and then check your work by day's end. 
That's, that's kind of the daily work of faith in our tradition. Now, here's the thing. It's kind of difficult to know what a well-aligned life with Jesus is like unless you know something about the cornerstone. Now, yeah, you can listen to sermons like this one and get some sense of the line that we're called to build on. But are you taking time to study Jesus yourself? I mean, some folks say, hey, you know, when I get a decision, I just ask myself, WWJD, what would Jesus do? But, you know, you, you can't align your life with Jesus if you don't know how Jesus is positioned. So you can do certain things. I, I suggested reading the Psalms, Jesus' prayer book, right? You can read the Gospels, just take a little paragraph or pericope as they're called each day. You can read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus' most uh, important sermon, some have said. I, I haven't written a book in quite a number of years, but I'm coming out with a volume this year on how to, uh, it's entitled, Practice What Jesus Preached Based on Application of Jesus' Most Famous Sermon, and we'll get that to you. Maybe that's a way that you can access Jesus and study him. But, you know, studying Jesus' life and teachings is essential if we want our lives to be well aligned with his. I'll give you a personal example. And I do this not because I'm some model of faithfulness, but rather because you know, I'm, a, I'm a fellow pilgrim like you trying to find my way. So I was, I was doing my morning devotional reading this past Lent, so quite a number of months ago, and I was reading through the Gospel of Mark, and a phrase hit me. It said, while Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, Jesus sat at the table. While Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, Jesus sat at the table. I was reading about how Jesus was having dinner at the house of a man whose name was a description of his malady. Jesus was hanging out with some guy who was called the leper. I mean, can you imagine being referred to by your own malady or infirmity, whatever that might be? You know, so-and-so the anxious or so-and-so the depressed, so-and-so the cancerous one, so-and-so the unemployed. I don't know, so-and-so the widow or widower. You know, Jesus hung out with people who were known by their ailments. And, and in that morning's time of biblical de uh, devotion for me, I, I, I was prompted to consider, who do I hang out with? Like, who do I spend time with? Now, my day off to that point had been on Fridays, and because that's literally the only day of the week free from church work for me, I've been pretty careful about protecting it. But the pivot guys, that's how we refer to them, right? The pivot guys the guys who are known for attempting to pivot away from addiction, have worship on Fridays. So as a result, I'm never able to join them in worship or to preach at their services. You know, so I read about Jesus spending time at Simon the leper's table, and in that moment I was convicted. I wondered, why am I not making time to visit, worship, and eat with guys who are known by their affliction? I mean, shouldn't I be hanging out with the pivot guys with greater regularity? Now, here's the thing. You can't be prompted to ask those questions unless you're studying Jesus. Okay, so, so being convicted and personally wanting to better align my life with Jesus, I, I changed my day off so I can worship and preach uh, at Pivot when invited. In fact, our Raymond fellows are required to preach at Pivot because I want them to have that experience, not just preaching but eating lunch with them afterwards. You see, we've, we've all taken vows to align our lives with Jesus to help our children align their lives with Jesus. Therefore, we need to keep checking ourselves to see how well we are lined up with the cornerstone, which gets to a question that each and every one of us needs to grapple with. And I'm going to be honest, it is a hard and convicting question. 
It's a question that requires our attention and honesty. And here it is. What kind of cornerstone is Jesus for us? What kind of cornerstone is Jesus for us? Is Jesus the orientation point of our lives? Do we we build our lives in line with his? Or, like so many cornerstones today, is Jesus' placement in our lives merely ornamental? Let that question sink in for a moment. Is our relationship with Jesus orientational or ornamental? Does being a Christian, a Christ follower, orient our decisions and actions, or is Christian just a ceremonial marker on our lives? I mean, that, that's probably a daily question for each of us to ask and answer, myself included. I mean, if, if Jesus is the cornerstone, what kind of cornerstone are we allowing him to be for us? Now, the really good news is that the Christian life is largely an exercise in recommitment, right? Weekly recommitment, daily recommitment. Every time we hear and recite baptismal vows, it's an opportunity to recommit to Jesus's values of love, justice, grace, faithfulness. Every time we approach the communion table, which we do uh, throughout the summer, it's an opportunity to remember that we're called to God's presence, into God's presence, as we are so that the Lord can reform us into the people God intends us to be. Which means the communion table ain't some fancy dinner table. No, it's a do-over table. You get to begin yet again every time you make your way to the Lord. You get to recommit yourself to Jesus every time you take your place at his table. And as you read about Jesus's life and his ways, as you read about the people Jesus hung out with and ministered to, as you read about Jesus's love for you, a love he wants you to receive so that you can share it with others, you're not just reformed, you're realigned to Jesus. You know, baptism, communion, the stories of scripture meditated upon in the morning, prayed throughout the day, reflection at the end of the day to see how well aligned we've been and what adjustments might need to be made. That's the the work of faith. See, Christianity and Christian itself isn't merely a ceremonial stamp on our lives given to us at baptism. No, being a Christian means Jesus is the cornerstone of our lives. And that's an orientation that leads to freedom. The freedom to love, the freedom to be just, the freedom to be gracious, the freedom to be faithful the freedom to do what Jesus would do, WWJD, and maybe more importantly, the blessing of actually knowing what that is. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, many of us have so many demands placed on our lives and our daily living that we just kind of blast through the day, getting everything done. And, and sometimes, maybe oftentimes, we make decisions, we've got choices before us, we've got things to consider, and, and we just kind of go with our gut, or we do the best we can. We don't really take some time to prayerfully consider what you would want us to do. And at the end of the day, we rarely take time to reflect, how did we align with your desires for us? So Lord, the truth is that the name Christian and maybe your presence in our lives is too often ceremonial, that it's ornamentation when really you need to be our cornerstone. We need to be oriented toward you, aligned with you. So 
So Lord, if you're the Mason, you need to help us work on this. So we ask that you would enter our lives and help to position us or reposition us so that we are in line with you. In your name we pray. Amen. So friends, as you go forth this week, uh, hopefully trying to align yourselves with the desires and purposes of God for you, uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with kindness and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Worship on the Go. To support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website, www.godsacre.org, or within today's email. God bless you and have a wonderful week.